Welcome to Magic Time. It is the post-game report for the Moncton Magic home game this evening, January 29th. I'm Scott Squires. Dave Tingley joining me along for the podcast. Dave also my broadcast partner on Moncton Magic home games. And Dave, uh, a pretty good way for the Moncton Magic to get back into action after uh, about a 10-day or so layoff, taking on a pretty tough St. John Riptide team. Uh, Billy White back in the lineup tonight. A tight one for the Magic, but overall, uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes of it, overall your thoughts uh, on that 91-88 win tonight for Moncton? Well, um, I mean, the, the Riptide might be 7 and, what, 16 now, I guess, on the season, but um, any team that comes away from 40 minutes of play against, or 40 minutes of play against um, the Riptide are going to be happy with the victory. Those guys, they are unpleasant to play against. And there's, those teams are always um, good or bad uh, or in between. Um, those teams are always just, you're, you're just happy to get away healthy with a victory. Nobody got hurt. They get to go into tomorrow night's game with 12 guys. Uh, you know, they're down one guy tonight for suspension. So uh, it's really just the positive of coming away from any, any team. Uh, Matt Robertson put it really well in the post-game interview. There's only one or two teams that can lock you up like that defensively and make things that hard on you, and getting away with wins from those teams are, is, is a bonus every time. And the Moncton Magic were ready to play tonight. They came out on fire. They got the first bucket off the opening tip within, I think it was the first four seconds, and they built up a pretty good lead in that first quarter, but then things kind of really got turned around. Corey Allman picked up a technical, and then later on in the first quarter, as you and I were just kind of talking about the regular happenings of what was going on on the floor, Coach Joe Salerno, lightning quick, double T from one of the officials, and he got thrown out of the game. I know it was hard for us to know exactly what was going on, but from things that you've picked up post-game, uh, what does it appear happened with, with Coach Salerno getting that double technical and getting tossed? Well, we, I think we could hear things pretty well, and, and I put... I, I mean, I put the blame largely on the referee in this in this situation, Scott. Really, I do. I mean, that it was it was a six to one foul differential at that time in the game. Marcus Lewis was ridden out of bounds, and referees miss calls. Okay, that that's 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 fine. But if you're a coach in a game where the tie, you know, and by then the momentum had switched. St. John had really flipped the switch defensively. They got a bunch of stops. They got getting out and run. And we'll talk a little bit of what I think was the big. Um, key that Moncton probably the, the thing to work on most uh, taken away from this game, which would be uh, transition defense. But St. John really had turned the, the, the screws, and and as a coach, it's your job to say, "Excuse me, but you, we are not getting the call down here, and we're not getting the call at this end either. We're getting the we're getting the short end of the whistle both ways. Come on, give us a call here." And he obviously expressed that in a very emphatic way. Did Coach Salerno, but not in an over the top way. But he was certainly loud and in the face of the referee. And if the referee decides to give a technical in that scenario, it's not out of this world to do so. What, what's over the top is when Coach Salerno responded as, like, I can't believe you gave me a technical for that. No cursing, no personal call-outs. Not, he was very, very quick. Within, literally, I don't think it was more than five seconds, gave him a second technical. It and was that, quick. That's that's over the line. That's that is that's not good refereeing. That's not doing your job. If you want to give him a technical and then walk away and allow it's typical in professional basketball, you, you're upset. You give the technical. You walk to the other side of the court 
and you let the coach have a discussion with the other with your partners. Okay, things are hot, things are heated between you and that specifically and that coach. You get it. You remove yourself from the situation. That's what a good professional referee typically does. In this scenario, he did not do that. He stayed there. He accepted, and he 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 call, had a quick technical after a no call that really was should have been called, and then gave him a second within five seconds. That's just not that's not typically done in professional basketball. And again, uh, I believe at the time, if memory serves, uh, you know, I think there was maybe three or four minutes left in the first quarter, so it was pretty early on for Coach Salerno to get the toss, but it kind of seemed to give the team a bit of a boost you know there's i guess there's two ways you can go when that happens the crowd was certainly more into it the crowd definitely was the crowd really got behind the team and and was really kind of giving it to st john any chance they could but i thought the team responded uh you know effectively as well the st john riptide team you talked about how tough they are defensively st john and moncton statistically coming into tonight the top two defensive teams in the league St. John at one, Moncton at two, literally separated by, I believe, one-tenth of a point in uh, those defensive statistics. But what kind of caught your eye most about what St. John did to Moncton tonight to keep it so close? Well, they turned them, they turned them over in, in not, not so much the turnovers. The turnovers weren't high for Moncton. Twelve turnovers isn't an extraordinarily, extraordinarily high number. But when you turn those 12 turnovers into 21 points, averaging almost two points, off each turnover. That's an extraordinary conversion percentage, for one. Uh, Moncton forced 17 turnovers and only scored 16 off of those conversely, right? So that's a much lower percentage. But what they did was they forced... um, Moncton, at the the start of the game, was getting whatever they wanted. Billy White, very easy shots early. Corey Allman, very easy shots early. There was some sort of an adjustment that took place. Uh, Jeremiah Morty was on... Uh, for Corey Allman for a bulk of that game and Corey led the team with 27 points but he had to work hard to get him and he wasn't getting many three-pointers he got them in transition a couple times off of really good screen and roll action he got a couple but those, that catch and shoot stuff that he gets off of pin down plays they don't let that stuff happen they fight every screen they fight around they fight every movement the ball goes on the floor they're fighting that they're bellying up defensively that way most teams will allow the swing of the ball around the perimeter a little bit. They'll allow that. They'll, they won't expend that energy to get in every passing lane. St. John doesn't do that. They get in the passing lanes a, a lot. So they just make things more difficult for you offensively because they know at the offensive end of the floor, things don't come terribly easy for them. And we talked about Billy White uh, just at the beginning of the, the podcast here. But his first game action since New Year's Eve over on the island, he was recovering uh, from a wrist injury. But Billy White, and I said it in the broadcast, was doing Billy White things tonight. Uh, what can you say about Billy White that we haven't already said? But, uh, you know, Dave, maybe just a, a couple of comments on your thoughts on his performance. Um, he looked really explosive. It looked like he was really chomping at the bit to get out there. A guy like him, a competitor like him, having sat off. It's not like, we said it on the broadcast, it's not like he had a, a knee or a foot or something where he couldn't move. He, 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 was, he could move. He could get in there, and it was just that wrist. And that, that sometimes is even more frustrating. Like, I can get out there and run. I can compete. It's just this stupid pain in this... Like, that's, it can be really frustrating for a competitor. So you can see he really wanted to get out there. And he, and he had some rust that he shook off a little bit. And I think he maybe in the second half, uh, he, he sat out most of the uh, eight, last eight minutes, I think, of the third quarter. And he subbed himself out. And it looked like he was maybe 
I need to get a second wind here. I've expended a lot of energy in my first game back, and he's you know, and he saved. And in the fourth quarter, he was terrific again. He was terrific in the first, got off to a great start, and terrific in the fourth. And in both quarters, he looked really explosive, and he wanted the ball late, like we talked about live in the broadcast. He got that ball late, and that late three point play was was amazing. He's just he can do it all, and at the defensive end of the floor, he was a difference maker, and he can be there. And that that's something that we missed in him a little bit. It looked like he before he he took this break when he was playing with the wrist when it was banged up it looked like he was a little tentative offensively he didn't look tentative on either end of the floor tonight well he was great tonight and there was one particular sequence where he took tj maston who was great for st john tonight but kind of took him on one-on-one down in the low post he made a spin move to his right and then spun back to his left and left left maston in his dust and got the easy bucket Mm. but again billy white was just tremendous tonight and it was nice to see him back in another player that uh, we got a chance to see for the first time at the Avenue Center was Marcus Lewis. Yeah. And uh, he hit a three-pointer <laughs> at one point, Dave, that, you know, he was pretty close to the center court logo there. But uh, what did you like about his game tonight? Well, defensively. I mean, really, the Magic had two um, two scores tonight. Corey Hellman and Billy White combined for, for 55 of their, of their 91. You know, so Marcus Lewis wasn't tremendous offensively but really he didn't he contributed I think probably I think all of his eight points came in the fourth quarter I don't think he scored before then so he stepped up late but throughout the game he was he was tr- tremendous defensively that length of his athleticism he's a great compliment for for um, Wayne McCullough who got into foul trouble early and went out and came back in but they were t- on the floor together at the end of that fourth quarter and as much as they both had struggled offensively and Wayne struggled mightily all game they were massive for defensive possessions late. Marcus was great, grabbed a couple tough boards. Wayne came in and on four straight possessions disrupted everything that the St. John Riptide did defensively. So the two of them kind of looks like it's going to be Wayne starting and then Marcus coming off the bench for him and playing off of each other. That's going to be a terrific combo defensively and offensively for them. We are live on location at St. Louis Bar and Grill on Mountain Road in Moncton. Uh, we really appreciate St. Louis Bar and Grill, both the Moncton and Yep locations, being our presenting sponsor for Magic Time. And uh, we're hanging out here tonight, having a couple of beverages. I know we got some food on the way. And you know what? i got to listen. Yes, they're the sponsor of the podcast, but even if they weren't, I'd be coming and hanging out here because the staff are so hey, friendly. We were here way before this was ever a podcast. That's a really good point. <laughs> really true. We came here the, every night. Yeah, the food is delicious. Lots of different kinds of food you can get. And look, our food's coming now. That was like almost very good timing right there, Dave. My boneless wings. Boneless wings. I'm having, I'm going to go light tonight. I'm just having some chicken noodle soup. It's not your cheat day. It's not your cheat day. Ah, well, it's (laughs) a magnificent and a lovely soup. And I got to tell you, I love coming here, and, and it's a bonus. That St. Louis Bar and Grill, Moncton Dieppe, are the presenting sponsor of the podcast. Mm. Because now we have an extra excuse to come and hang out here post-game, right? That is correct. So let's get back talking about the game. Now, I referenced him a second ago, T.J. Maston, when I said, you know, that Billy kind of put him in the spin cycle and, and got that bucket. But he was great. Uh, he he led all scores this evening uh, with... Uh, what did he have tonight? 29 20, and 18. 29, my goodness, 29 and 18. <laughs> Only his 10th game with the Riptides, one of the newer players. But he was wonderful. What did you like about his game for the Riptide? Well, he carried them in the second half. He did a, the bulk of his damage in the last three quarters. They imagine did a good job early on him, but he's he's just he's 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 strong and big, but he knows how to use that size more effectively than most guys. He's nimble with his feet, he's got good footwork. And he can finish in a multiple 
multiple ways under the hoop. Like he can, he he's got a soft touch with both hands, so it serves him well. He's he's got a lot of G League experience, so he's been, you know, he's he's done, uh, uh, he's been uh, in, in high level leagues. So he's just he just knows how to get the ball in the basket. And and look, he's, it's there's no slouches out there defensively. I mean, Joel and Dondo and Denzel Taylor are no slouches on that end, but they just. He just knows, and it wasn't that they were defending him poorly. He kind of, he's got a nose for the ball. He, he's, he's smart. He's a really, he's got really good basketball sense. Like he knows the open areas to slip into when uh, when plays break down for St. John and gives them an outlet. So he's kind of almost uh, defense proof a little bit, right? If with a guy with that size who can move as well as he does uh, on a team like St. John that doesn't have a lot of shot creators, he's really good at kind of moving into those open areas and giving them an outlet. Um, uh, to finish around the rim. And something interesting as well, you and I talked about it in the broadcast, which you can see the uh, archive and replay of the game at NBLC Live. Uh, free preview is still on until I believe February 2nd or 3rd, but you know, you talked about Corey Almond not hitting from the outside, typically so deadly from outside the three-point arc, but Corey was more of a, a mid-to-short-range jump shooter tonight, and as you said, points off transition. But how about Duke Mundy? Stepping up and hitting several <laughs> shots from outside the arc. Kind of a bit of a new wrinkle that we've seen to his game. Yeah, Duke's not known as a... I mean, he can make that three, but he's not a three-point sharpshooter. But he, he was four for four early. Turned out to be the only four shots he made all game. He was four for 11 from the field. Really didn't get it going. It looked like he was... He maybe, of everybody, was still maybe a little bit banged up of the guys that are coming back from injuries that they've had. Looked like he maybe was still a little bit compromised. He subbed himself off once, two in the third quarter. Didn't really have that explosive lift that we see from from Duke. So probably he might... Uh, that might be something that uh, we see tomorrow night. Maybe he, his minutes aren't as high. But, I mean, again, he was terrific defensively too. I mean, they've, the, the thing that all these players lean can lean back on if they're struggling on offense is, def- is, is defensively. And that's what... It's why Duke and and Marcus and and all the new guys, Freddie McSwain, we haven't talked about yet, who was good at the defensive end of the floor, didn't give him a, a heck of a lot of offense tonight, but he's gonna at some point, I'm sure. But these guys, when they're not contributing, they can always contribute defensively, and that's what these guys are are so good at the team from top to bottom. Now the big man, Nick Evans, we referenced uh, him not being available. Uh, he was serving a automatic one-game suspension because of technicals he picked up in Moncton's last game versus the Island Storm. The other question is, tomorrow night, will Joe Salerno be on the sideline? He will not be on the sideline tomorrow night. So no Coach Salerno tomorrow night. Mm -hmm. So uh, the London Lightning in town. It'll be the Moncton Magic taking on the London Lightning. So I guess it'll be Elvin Mims again, the main guy, with (laughs) kind of a coaching by committee. But just to go back to the Moncton Magic for a sec, Dave, look, we've talked before on broadcasts especially, but on the podcast as well, about... The National Basketball League of Canada, for the most part, is a bit of a transient league. You get quite a few players coming and going for various Mm -hmm. reasons and more power to them. Yep. But the Moncton Magic specifically, a somewhat different-looking squad, as we are here now at the end of January, than they started with. Yep. And I ask you that because I want to know what you think of this team now what it is you like about them and what you think their identity is with the, with the personnel well, they have a, now. Yeah, well, it's a really good question because we, and we talked about on the broadcast tonight too about how um, how uh, Kalist and Almond and different guys were being uh, effective and McCullough, another guy, being effective playmakers early for them when they 
had in their fold guys like Doug Herring and Jahi Carson. They had, okay, those guys are going to be our playmakers. Those guys are going to be the guys that, um, that uh, late in shot clock can, can, can penetrate and kick and, and create shots for other guys or initiate the offense really effectively and, and put other guys in real in positions to succeed. And now, without that in the backcourt, you got to lean on other, on other things. And, and, and the, they were doing a really good job of... Uh, the, the Magic going to do a really effective job of sharing the ball, moving the ball quickly, not being a ball stopper, not having a, a, the ball go to a Duke or, or a Corey and stop there and, and, and remain in their hands for 15, 20 seconds while they pound it. And they did a good job of that tonight. Move the ball, get it back, uh, you know, set those ball screens, but make quick decisions off of them. Don't let the ball stop. And I think they did a really good job of that tonight. And that's going to be their identity. Move the ball, share it, multiple guys getting touches. and uh, But... Also, you know, it's going to come to, to Billy and Corey, and those guys are going to be the guys that I think that they're going to, if, if they are running a specific play for a specific person, it's going to be there. And they, you saw them go to that in the fourth quarter. They were patient, they got the ball in the wing, and they let Billy, you know, whether they, he needed a screen or not, get to that low post area and, and do his thing. But they know that they don't have to go to that every time. They can just share the ball, and they have multiple guys that can create shots for other, for other people. So if you had to sum up this team in one or two words to give someone an idea of what their identity is, what would those couple of words be to, to you know, sum it up? Well, it would be, it would be uh, tough defensively, but also, um, I think, a, um, I guess a, uh, on, on the offensive end of the floor, if it was one word, it would be, Kind of, it would be diverse because they have multiple threats in, in different areas. They still got the three-point shooting with Corey and Jason Caliste, uh, who was kind of off tonight, but hit a big one in the second half. Um, they still got that. They've they got scoring on all three levels, but it's going to be it's going to come from different people every night. So it's going to be a diverse collection of guys uh, that do the damage of that on the floor. But tough defensively, that's going to be their identity. It's a team game. You need everybody rowing the boat the same the same way to be successful. But with Nick Evans coming back in yep. tomorrow night, and with everybody knock on wood, my mom was a superstitious <laughs> person, so I'm going to do that. Yeah, you know everybody kind of getting back up to speed now. The bumps and bruises are healing. Yep, everybody's getting back up. What do you see as the ideal starting five for this Moncton Magic team? Again, it's a team game, but the ideal starting five. It's it's going to depend a little bit on matchups, a little bit, but not so much. I think you're going to see. Uh, you're going to see a lineup of, of Nick Evans at the five, Billy White at the four, Wayne McCullough at the three, uh, and Corey Almond and Duke Monday. You know, call them one, two, call them whatever you want. I think that's going to be your five that they, that you're going to roll with. If there's going to be sort of a change there, you might see um, either you might see Nick Evans start on the bench, maybe to go with a Marcus Lewis or somebody in the starting. If it's a smaller starting lineup for the for the opposing team but not very often I think Nick's gonna and even if that's the case Nick's gonna see big minutes right so yeah there's gonna be I think that's gonna be the five you see on the end of the, at the on the floor at the end of the game at the start of the game uh, for the magic going forward and on a personnel note as well you know it, it's tough sometimes when players have to move on for various reasons with Billy White coming back in and the roster yeah. the way it was uh, Isaiah Tate uh, no longer with the squad, so uh, maybe just a couple of words about Isaiah because uh, a good dude, yeah. man. We enjoy talking to him, but again, Isaiah, you know, just a, a numbers game. And yeah, and Coach said it was the toughest, one of the toughest decisions he's had to make as a coach. He said in his entire his entire tenure, he said this is one of the hardest ones I've had to make in a really long time. And because uh, Isaiah is a well liked guy, 
and he did such a good job for them, especially early in the year. But he's had some ups and downs, and I think the, the key for them, I mean, it came down to probably a numbers game with uh, Marcus, Freddie McSwain, and himself and Joel and Dondo probably in the mix. But Joel and Dondo's been so terrific for them since he got there. He's a Canadian. He's a... Uh, uh, he really improves that third big guy position for them that they, they really felt needed improvement. They feel he's going to be a really solid guy there. So it really came down, I think, probably Marcus Lewis or him. And Marcus just provides so much more athleticism and diversity to his game than Isaiah did. And, look, when it's a, it's a good situation to be in to have to choose between two really good players to keep but it also it's a it's a heartbreaker for for coach and he really felt it because he liked isaiah personally and everybody did yeah well we certainly wish uh, isaiah take well in in his future endeavors for sure okay we're just going to wrap up here shortly because our food's getting cold and i know we're both hungry after a long day but tomorrow night uh, seven o'clock at the avenue center january 30th the defending champs the london lightning come in but a pretty different looking london lightning squad than the one that won the championship dave uh Quickly, what do the month of magic look for tonight? What do you see or what do you expect from the Lightning? Well, one thing that would worry me tonight if I'm Joe, if I'm Coach Salerno and the, and the rest of the staff is the, the, the poor, frankly, transition defense that they had tonight against for St. John's. We talked about how they turned 12 turnovers into 21 points and also off of missed shots. St. John would push off of missed shots consistently and get easy stuff at the other end. And they've really got to take a, a, a take a lesson from that tonight because London, if you struggle to, in transition defense against St. John, you're really going to struggle against London. they got lots of athletes. Now, they don't provide the defensive challenge that St. John does, not by a long shot. The numbers tell you that. The eye test tells you that. Um, but they're defending champs. They got guys on that team that were on that squad. Mo Bolden, Capers, Williamson, Marvin Phillips. They've got guys, and they've got guys off the bench, that, but they haven't been consistent. You've got guys like Jalen Bab Harrison for them who's been really good in some games and then disappears the next. And that's kind of, that's kind of the case with, with new pros and, and guys that come off your bench. That happens, but you try to get some in-between area with them where they just have the extremes they, these guys disappear for games and then come back and are really good so they've they've got to get some consistency from those types of guys but this is a real big opportunity for the magic to get loose offensively uh, get some confidence with guys because because london doesn't pose the defensive challenge that st john does as long as they are more disciplined in their defensive rotations um um in the half court and getting back defensively in the open court, then we uh, then it's a game that Moncton really should win. Uh, London comes in 11, 13 under 500, struggle on the road. Um, so it's, it's a game Moncton should win, but that can put a little pressure on you mentally when you know it's a game you should win. Well, the Moncton Magic, after the win tonight, are 9-1 and one at home, 15-7 and seven overall, leading the National Basketball League of Canada overall standing, so you know they're going to want to get another win tomorrow night take that home record to 10 and 1 and before we go off Dave we should again just uh, give a big thank you and a shout out to our presenting sponsor St. Louis Bar and Grill uh, Moncton and Dieppe locations you can visit them on Facebook at St. Louis Bar and Grill NB and remember when you put in St. it's ST St. Louis Bar and Grill NB but I gotta say, whatever you're having there, man. My my, what are you my boneless par- spicy Parmesan wings smell tremendous. Okay, right seriously, now. like right this now is, on this live podcast, it's kind of torturous. Yeah, you to try okay. one and tell me. Done. Yeah, let's do it. We're live right now. Okay, here it is. I know there's no visuals, but I can. Oh yeah, see that? Oh boy, that looks good. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Ridiculously it's good. Ridiculously good. No. The food here is fantastic. If you've never been in, I encourage you to come visit St. Louis Bar and Grill, Moncton and Dieppe. And if you've been here before, you know what I'm talking about. Big thank you to St. Louis Bar and Grill for being our presenting sponsor. 
for Magic Time. I'm Scott Squires. You are? I'm <laughs> With a mouthful of boneless wings, and they smell and look delicious. <laughs> uh, we will be back tomorrow night doing a post-game after the London Lightning and Moncton Magic game. We would encourage you to get out to the Avenir Center, take in the action, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. If you can't be there, you can also watch it online at NBLC Live. Free preview on for the next couple of days. Once again, on behalf of Dave Tingley, I'm Scott Squires. Thanks for listening to Magic Time, the post-game report for the Moncton Magic for January 29th. They defeat the St. John Riptide 91-88. And remember, friends, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now.